0: Hello, and welcome to Think Like a Game Designer. I'm your host, Justin Gary. In this podcast, I'll be having conversations with brilliant game designers from across the industry with a goal of finding universal principles that anyone can apply in their creative life. You can find episodes and more at thinklikeagamedesigner.com. In today's episode, I speak with Alan Fan alan is one of the creators of the incredibly successful grand archive tcg that seemed to come out of nowhere and raise almost a million dollars on kickstarter i was lucky enough to get connected to alan uh, through a mutual friend and he had a bunch of questions and things because he has never made a trading card game before he and his friends were just magic players and anime enthusiasts who were excited about the genre and wanted to make something new and boy did they ever succeed at that so i was committed to bringing him on the podcast, to start digging through and finding out what happened, what were the keys to his success? How did he go from having no community to having a successful community that brought in a million dollars in you know, just a few short months of when he started reaching out. So we we dig in to his background, to the story, to how it all worked, to how he built his community, to what he's facing now, and the challenges, and what really goes behind the scenes when you see a small team of people getting a million dollars in, and 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 the grind that really comes in from that. Uh, the whole story we get into on this podcast. And it's really great to get to highlight this because I spend a lot of time talking to people who've been doing this forever and have huge amounts of experience and have lessons from decades. And so this was a great story to be able to tell of a team that maybe just like a lot of you out there, where you love games, you're passionate about it, uh, you don't know how you can kind of take it to the next level and maybe create a thing that you've been dreaming about for a while. And so, so I want to share the success story and the ups and downs and the lessons that come from it. And it's uh, really great to Get to talk to Alan. He clearly has a, a good heart and is really trying to build something that, that he would love as a player, which is, I think, so important. So there's a lot to dig in here, and I'll end the intro and let you hear Alan Fan. And welcome. I am here with Alan Fan. Alan, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Hey, uh pleasure. A pleasure, uh, pleasure to be here.
1: It's really exciting. So, you know, happy to be here, Justin.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, you know, to sort of give some context, I, you know, you first came on my radar. I saw your Kickstarter for the Grand Archive of TCG and was blown away. You guys raised nearly a million dollars on Kickstarter, presumably even more uh, after the fact. And I'd never heard of you before. And that, is very rare. I feel like I know most people that make TCGs in the, you know, especially at that scale. And, uh, and I was like, who are these guys? And I I kind of wasn't able to really figure it out. And uh, I just sort of put it out of mind. And unfortunately we got connected, um, uh, through uh, a mutual friend that sort of connected us and you had some questions. And once I heard more about you and learned more about you and your story, I was immediately like, okay, I have to get you on the podcast. I have to share these insights because from what I can tell your story flies in the face of every piece of advice i give people uh in so many ways and so i really wanted to be able to highlight it and uh you know pull out some lessons and some, some maybe some counterintuitive truths or things that i'm i'm not aware of uh and so uh so yeah so that's kind of the precursor to get people kind of hyped and excited so so why don't you 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 kind of start when introducing yourself a little bit and your own origin story and and what got you to to this crazy level of success that you have now yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh I'd be having to talk about
1: myself a little bit and you know it's it's a pleasure being here. Um, you know, finding out like you know, who you are too was like, you know, a big shocker. I was like, oh yeah, this our, our mutual friend kinda like put us together and I was like, Wait, this is actually great because you know I you were part of the research that you know that uh when we were forming our campaign idea, uh one of your projects is like, you know, one of the ones that we were you know doing the research on. So, you know, it's really great to be here. Um yeah, so like about me, uh basically I am like the project manager slash like um, I do a lot of the business development for Grand Archive and, you know, putting us out on like Kickstarter. It's like one of the things that I, my major project that I had worked on whenever uh, we got things kind of rolling. Uh, long story short, like, you know, uh, I am a, you know, computer scientist, you know, I, was, I studied computer science. This was like a passion project that my friends and I kind of started. Um, biggest thing was like we kind of recognized the trend of you know kickstarter you know putting a tcg out on there and we kind of thought that you know what i think we could make something like you know really quality let's put some time and effort you know some of our own money into it um, this idea that we've had like on the back burner for a while uh, we've always kind of wanted to do our tcg and then you know now here we are so i think you know, whatever sort of questions you have i'm you know happy to answer
0: it today. yeah oh i got i got a bunch don't you worry uh, so look there's plenty of people I guarantee it there are thousands of people that are listening to this right now that are have had a similar moment to what you've had right you and your friends you're passionate about TCGs but you've got other careers and you're like man I really think we could make a great TCG or I have this problem with this TCG or I really think this should happen but very 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 few people are ever going to go to that next step and actually get the thing done let alone you know launch a, a successful Kickstarter Maybe tell me a story about that moment, right? What what was the moment where you really felt like no, no, this is something we can do and and what, you know, how did you even figure out how to get started? Yeah, I mean, well, so that takes us like way back. So I mean like uh
1: my friend and I our common passion is that we love um games, uh game development, uh game design. It's like uh basically his big thing and he's always talked to me about, you know, um Having an idea like you know let's you know just make a game and then we were just like you know I think like we could do something like really cool and you know we tried it out and then the more that I had thought about it I guess it's like my inner desire to like you know do something like you know you always kind of want to do like something greater than yourself right like you know make like a big project or anything it was just like you know why not put a hundred percent into it just it, life's like life's a big gamble, right? So you, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And that kind of spurred the spark. And we just put in the effort. Again, I think we got really lucky. Like, you know, luck is a big part of it. We'd entered in the market kind of like at the right time. And then that's like kind of what contributed like, you know, to the success there. Uh, yeah, I don't know I, if I'm I mean, rambling. About, any, I might have. Any, the no, no, it's
0: fine. Any, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep prepping you with questions because I I want to I, I want to dig deep. So you know, a of course you know any level of anytime anybody succeeds at a super high level, luck is a part of it, right? But there's right. I, I'll, I'll say the same for for many aspects of my success. It's just but there's also huge amounts of preparation, mindset, mm-hmm. uh, and hard work that are are prerequisites to to being lucky, quote unquote. Um, yeah. So one aspect obviously you know you kind of gave that that wayne gretzky quote which i love about you know you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and you took a mindset of you know look it, yeah you the risk of doing this and failing is far less than the risk of never trying right never never really right. doing something that you're excited about and passionate about and that's something i really just always want to underscore for people like i know what that feels like both when i quit law school to become a game designer when I quit my job as a game designer to start my own company and launch my own projects every time it was terrifying and I kept thinking I was gonna you know what if I fail but that flipping that around and saying well what if I never try right what if I don't ever do anything that like I really make an effort to make something that stands the test of time or that I'm passionate about build a community and so it's great that you had that attitude what do you think that came from because again it's not common right why do you what do you you think gave you that that what do you think that that spark came from
1: Right, I mean, you know for me personally it's more of like um there there's just some things in life that you know you'll never be satisfied with, and then that um, we kind of our biggest thing is that we love anime right I'm not I'm not hiding that fact. I love anime, Japanese, Japanese, uh, you know, for people who don't know like what anime is, they're amazing, like you know, check it out. They're Japanese like animations like similar to uh, you know people in the US could call them like cartoons, you know, whatever. Um, but they're like these like animated shows that explore different worlds and stories, you know, things like beyond our, like, you know, wildest imaginations. And it's just like, we wanted to have some piece of that some way. And then it would, like you said, like it, it's the, the, ri- like, you know, the, uh, the risk of not being a part of it to me is more detrimental than, not you know like you know they're like never trying and not knowing what it's worth like knowing the feeling of like you know trying for something that you're passionate about it's like i couldn't ever imagine like living my life that way right so um biggest part like like put that spark under us was like we want to make something bigger than just the card game one day and that this was like a part of it and if we never do this we'll never get anywhere close to like what our dreams are so it's just that's that was the main driver for like what kind of started the project off uh, having just like by having a, like an anime card game that like doesn't exist right now. There wasn't one, there was one that like, you know, they're not very like, like very good. I, I would say in terms of like, you know, organized play community, like no one's like, you know, there's nothing going on. Like, you know, why not just do it ourselves and, you know, have something that we can be proud of that, is part of the things that you know that a part of the world that we love so you know that's kind of like what started everything
0: yeah so so you're you're passionate about anime you love tcgs you don't find in the market there's no good anime tcgs and or they don't have all the features that you're looking for so you start working on it uh and then where what what does that look like? You're you're hanging out and playtesting with your friends, or you're you, you and your partner. You're recruiting other people in your community. Like, at what point do you decide? You know, you're working on the game and you start saying, "Okay, yeah, we're really we're really making this."
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it, it basically came down to we were, we we're you know obviously we had some other ideas you know that were bad and we're like we like you know, scrapped it. Most important thing was like, is it fun? Like, right? Like, the most important part was like one it does just it does not it doesn't have to be just an anime card game like it's it is a tcg that is fun and that you would play with your friends you would invite over to your house and have fun and it was like the one night that my friends and i uh you know we were just running through idea at our local shop you know we were we printed out some uh like proxies just you know we we're, were just taking um like you know like, just taking out, out different ideas that we had and we're testing them out. And Eventually, we came across one that was like, wait, I want to play this again, like, a lot. And it was at that moment that we were like, this game is, like, really fun to us. You know, like, we kept trying out, we, we really loved it, and we had some other friends play it, and they are like, hey, you know, this is actually like, really cool idea. And I think we kind of got, we kind of became in love with it, like the idea of, like, you know, this game is a lot of fun, and we want to you know, maybe that's when we kind of decided, like, let's, let's try to take it, like, you know, to the next step. You know, if we think it's fun, then um, even while looking at it objectively, of course, like, you know, but, you know, there's always going to be some bias or there's always bias in these things. But, like, we were like, yeah, like, let's just, let's just, let's just try it. I mean, this game's a lot of fun and we
0: want to keep playing, right? So hopefully other sure. people feel the same way. Yeah. Well, having a good core experience is the most important thing, right? The game's not fun. All the rest of it is going to fall apart you can put all the work in it you want so that's definitely you know you're speaking you're you're preaching to the choir on that one here um but often before somebody is going to go launch a kickstarter on a project even if the game is fun i Mm -hmm. very strongly advise they spend a good amount of time it will either like first try to work with a partner or publisher or somebody else that has experience so you can learn that way or at the very least spend a lot of time building your audience, right? Build a community that you then you add value to and then over time and then you can launch a Kickstarter and, and sell to them. But as far as I recall, I could tell that I didn't, you know, I hadn't heard about you guys before. And certainly what what but what did you do to build that community or what do you think contributed to the success of your Kickstarter in this case? Yeah. So when we came to like kickstarter
1: and we put up like like a website for our game and we're kind of getting things off the ground i think um we did oddly enough we ran like a couple of facebook ads to like just kind of get the site promoted just to test things out a little bit and uh we've worked on like you know different like projects of the past and we were kind of using like our old experiences obviously like things that I've learned from my internships and then from other mentors that I've had in the past. Uh, I used to do like, uh, I was in business school at one point. And then one of the things I like, you know, my mentor told me and the things that I've learned from him, you know, uh, about business,
0: we were just testing out like a lot of different things.
1: Do you mind Um, being a little bit more
0: specific with that? Because, you know, this is one area where I always try to I was trying to dig out where people's superpowers are, right? And and your yeah, background sure. here seems like it's coming. You know, said so you've got these great lessons from your mentor, things you picked up from business school. A lot of game designers have none of that access to none of that stuff. So what what maybe, you know, kind of top two or three lessons come to mind that you were able to apply here that, that, that helped you succeed? Yeah, I mean,
1: the biggest lessons that I learned from my time there was if it was like risk management and then looking at your, you know, obviously if things are worth it and, you know, a lot of it I learned, like it's part of like just luck and uh, learning how to also manage your cash flow and like your, uh, the amount of income that we had at the time, obviously we were paying for everything out of pocket. So, I mean, it was like things like that, that ended up like attributing to like the decisions that we made. Um, if we felt, bad about losing $20, then you probably, like, should think about how bad it would feel if, you know, you didn't spend that money. It's, like, things like that that ended up attributing to, like, uh, the decisions that we made, like, overall in the end. I didn't spend very long in business school, so I don't really have, like, um you know, any, well, like, super big lessons. But I guess I like, think that I got from my mentors was, like, they were always... Into like they they believed in their ideas and they believed, like, with anything, like, you know, do a lot of great research, there's a lot of great projects out there. Um, some way or another, you learn to learn lessons from like other people who are also doing great things. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm like answering the question. Well, so so let me let
0: me try to reflect back here what I'm hearing. So, just to sort of tease out the principles. So, one on one level, um, you understanding. Uh, risk management, what I hear from that is that you, you know, you set aside budgets, you're, you know, that you can't guarantee success or return on an investment. And so you expect to spend some budget making educated guesses about what's going to work and what isn't. And then you measure those returns and then see what happens. And if you could find something that gives a good return, great, double down. If you find something that doesn't, you don't let that like stop you from experimenting yeah. because that's part of the process. Is that kind of yeah. summarize a little bit what, you know? And, yeah. You put it in a way more elo- like eloquent way than me. I'm sorry. I'm not like the super best no, 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 with it, this stuff. It's yeah, fine. But, that's the fun. That's the fun of the podcast, right? I, it's, 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 I, I know that there's, you know, you're sharing gold here and I, uh, <laughs> I want to help to dig it out, you know? Um, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so did you have a budget in mind? Like when you, did you guys commit to a budget up front and kind of spec it out or was it just kind of a, let's see how it goes? Did it, did that, was that what, what what was the you know you know you can give specifics if you want but I just want to understand if it was like in principle where you were on that uh on how, yeah. you're, how much you were spending here yeah so I mean the important thing for us was like
1: uh I can't exactly remember how much we were you know spending but I know for a fact that if it's like since we were paying things like out of pocket if I couldn't contribute I would make it very clear also communication like with your team is the most was some of the most important things that you could have for any sort of project to be successful right I think that's a given um and whenever i couldn't contribute something i made sure the team knew that this amount of money was too much for me at this time and just being realistic if you you shouldn't put yourself in a place where you could end up in like uh you know in a bad financial situation where you can't recover mm-hmm. i think um that's part of that that risk management thing but you know the amount of
0: so you would, guess judge, I it, you would judge it as, as you went, what you were able to spend, knowing you were never going to put yourself at risk of bankruptcy or anything like that, but you would kind of just, as you go, be like, okay, I can spend another couple thousand dollars here, or a couple hundred dollars here, or whatever it was at scale. Yeah, and exactly. You, would, you would kind of keep right. assessing as you went along. Right. Okay. So, I mean,
1: at this, I mean, the point in time that my friend who is a bit more, was more successfully, like financially successful than I was, he was willing to put in the money as long as I put in the work, right? So... As long as we both we were both working on it and if you know we needed to do something that was a little bit more costly, you know, he was able to be like uh able to do so in that way. Or like he was like, you know, we wanted yeah. like prototypes printed or um, you know, we needed like, you know, maybe some uh for our, especially for like the the UI, like on your cards, right? Like you we wanted to like have like, you know, what if we make it look really nice, test out different designs, and that's kind of the things that you know, we were like, oh wow, these look great, like. You know, we love this. We love that. And then, uh, I mean, that that was something that was, like, attributing to, like, our success there, right? We weren't, some of us were in better financial positions where we could, you know, take risk and feel okay about it. You right. Know, if, if, we, if we didn't make the money back on it, it was something that, you know, nobody was going to suffer from. Uh, yeah.
0: You were yeah you, don't, you only only put in the in the middle what you're willing to lose right of the, uh, uh, and and so because I when you talk about risk management right the, I don't I didn't go to business school but I I I did you know play pro poker for a little while and I studied poker theory and I found mm-hmm. poker theory to be incredibly valuable when it came to business risk management assessment right you never know any given bet you can lose, right? But you, you want to, mm-hmm. if you consistently put money in on bets where you, the odds are in your favor, eventually you're going to win so long as you don't run out of money. So you got to manage your bankroll and you've got to be able to like yeah. assess properly, which bets make sense. And when you know you, the odds are in your favor and you're pretty confident, you're never hundred percent, but you're pretty confident. Then you, you really push as much as you can afford. Um, mm-hmm. so when it comes to, this communication, you mentioned the importance of communication with your team and you've mentioned that you have a, a friend who is kind of your main partner. How many, how many people are we talking about when you say team at this stage?
1: Yeah. So at this stage, we're looking at about five people or there's, there's, uh, we have our, you know, art, we, we give each other, we don't really have titles, but we have our art director. I'm the project manager. Uh, my friend with the biggest financial com- contribution, um, he's also like the CEO of the company. And then, um, we have a, also, another uh marketing guy he does like, you know, manages all the sort of like products, like the additional products that we're having, like you know, posters, things like that. He gets those done and gets us out to events and stuff. And then we have another game designer, uh, one who's like more dedicated just to doing game design. But in the end, everyone works on the game design, right? We all share our feedback, oh, yeah. communication is key, and like being a small team, you know. You can't, we don't really have the capital to like, you know, realistically say that, you know, to pay somebody and be like, Hey, you can spend your life doing this. We'll support you. And like, you know, your family, whatever. Um, we're not at that point yet. So, you know, everyone kind of understands like where the company is at at this point, that everything is kind of for, uh, we've all kind of like reinvested like any sort of money that we could have made into, into, into the company, which is like what we felt like was smarter. But
0: yeah, no In it's the it's, important. We're, we're it's, important. it's important it's important to highlight a couple of these things, right? One, uh this is 100% true. It's still true for me to this day, right? We have a small team, I keep it small and we have, you know, everybody kind of does a little bit of everything still, you know, people have mm-hmm. clear roles and responsibilities, but but everybody contributes and and that that as everybody's pulling together towards a common goal. It's also really important to highlight you just mentioned like for most people listening when i said hey you guys did a million dollar kickstarter in people's heads you're just rolling in dough and you've got your yacht on the beach you're, you know by the beach and everything's going great right And it is so far from the truth right it's so like yeah. you know you're you you there's so much that goes into it, especially for a team like yours where you've never done anything like this before the logistics the cost the the, the management to do it like it's not Easy, and it's a very, very expensive process to deliver on all those promises that you know. Because in, in, it's not like you have the million dollars and it, and it's done. It's the million dollars is a commitment to get it done, uh, and so mm-hmm. I I think it's worth really highlighting that for people. I mean, I I've, I lost money on on my my first kickstarter was half a million dollars and i lost i almost lost my whole company because of it because it cost so much to make uh what we actually promised uh so i learned a lot of those lessons the hard way and it's part of re- why we first started talking is i wanted to help help you learn those lessons a little cheaper. Yeah.
1: uh yeah 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 so yeah, obviously yeah, i was like um oh, i'm sorry i didn't mean no, to no, cut go you ahead. off there. you go ahead yeah yeah i was i was saying like you know uh i felt like there was a lot of initially like there was a lot of feedback like online people were saying that you know these guys are you know they could scam you they could run away with the money and that's a part of the risk and like it was it was crazy to me because i was doing research and when i was doing research there's some projects that i was like wow like you know this is really crazy they've raised a lot of money where you know I, i'm not sure like if i would put my my own money into this like this looks like a little suspicious to me and then you know a month later here we are like uh people are saying the same thing about us and i was like oh man um but you know doing these things like take a lot of money and a lot of time and like commitment and then one thing that we we kind of said that was just something that we had already known and what was more important for us was the amount of money that we can make like um off of kickstarter was to make sure that we weren't going to give any empty promises so anything that we put out on kickstarter we knew that you know we would be able to deliver. If we couldn't deliver it, then we wouldn't really offer it. Uh, being realistic with your goals was like, we yeah, have realistic with our goals was like the most important thing um, for us. Uh, getting in over our heads is something that we want
0: to avoid at all costs. And, you know, yeah, doing your oh. research and like, trying to avoid that is... Super important, so, so important. Yeah, so doing that, tons of research. You mentioned you researched a lot of other kickstarters. You researched the production process. You researched your place in the market. You've tested research on, and on different advertising um, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so a lot of that stuff's just so critical. Again, this 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 overnight success from a lot of people's perspectives is not, is anything but overnight. Uh, those those principles are really important to highlight, uh, and so you there's a lot of threads I could pull on here, but I I'm most intrigued in your, so you're, you're, te- you have some background in, in internet marketing or somebody on your team does right to, to be testing Facebook ads primarily. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they're super difficult. I mean, obviously like there's uh, a lot that goes into it, but you know, we were testing out just like what we had available to us. Like I, you can start on Facebook, like, you know, either your business suite and go and try to test ads like from there. Um, putting in like different sort of keywords, like things that people search up. It's a, uh, so it wasn't anything that, you know, we were experts in, but somebody had to do it.
0: Right. So, yeah. And then, and so this is before the campaign starts. So you're just driving traffic to your website or to a pre-signup page or something.
1: Yeah. It was, it was to our discord. So the, um, at the, at the time we had like a website up, uh, we did a little bit of ads. So the, some people saw the ad, joined the discord and, Oddly enough, like this is like sort of where I think I attribute luck to is it's like one person kind of joined, saw that the game was really interesting, had a you know a brief conversation uh, with us and was like, you know what, I think I'll bring my friends into it. And then, you know, word of mouth ended up spreading. Um, we kind of went like a little bit viral in like the trading card like community and a lot of people ended up joining the server that day. And then, you know, we were we weren't really prepared for it, but, you know, we did the best that we
0: could. So Um, so what does, what does, what does viral look like here? Like where, when you say viral in the community, what does that mean in reality? What are the specific sites or groups that came in? Yeah. I mean, in the,
1: like, I would say like the trading card, like community people who have been like interested in the recent, like in like flesh and blood magic, the gathering. Um, I think it just happened to be like somebody who was also interested in those things. Like that's kind of like what the keywords that we kind of ran for. Right. You know, um, in like uh what i mean by viral we went from having about zero people in the server like or four people like you know my team like the only people in there um into probably like i think like 600 like within i would say probably like uh like the span of like two hours or so Wow. more and more yeah more and more people kept joining and then um you know, you know, friends bringing in other friends, and then bigger groups bringing in like bigger groups, and it, it really grew like exponentially. Um, so it, that was like on on Discord, and you know, we really got caught off guard with that. Like, you know, we we I could check like maybe our numbers right now
0: is insane. While you're looking that up, I'm just gonna just gonna react. Uh, the, so jumping to 600 like that in hours is so that, I mean, that shows a level of traction that is, I've never even heard of. I mean, we have a Stoneblade discord that we started up well, about two years ago now, year and a half or right. right you know, kind of started the pandemic actually, because it was our main now new mechanism to actually talk to people. And um, it's got, I don't know, a couple thousand people in it today. Like, so we're not even, even, I'm sure you got, you guys must have eclipsed us by leaps and bounds at this point. I So I'm really curious, uh, you know, you know, you said luck, but uh, you can maybe share some of the specific numbers if you're able to see them. But then I, I I'd love to, to get dive deeper into what, what resonated with people. Is it, is it that core premise of an anime TCG? Is there something else specific about what your message was that was like when people joined, they said, Oh, I'm here because of this.
1: Right. And so, you know, speaking of the numbers a little bit. I, right now, we're sitting about about fourteen hundred people in the server. Mm. So, in total, with like a currently, we have about like maybe like five hundred online at a time. Um, and I think like the one thing that people always said when they joined the server was like, "Oh, these cards look really good." So, the initial website that we have, we're at grandarchivepcg.com. dot uh, We had done like. Um, you know, we put like some initial cars that we had created, some of like the, the things that you know we were like, okay, we would be proud showing this even if it's the prototype, and it looks really good. Our um our MVP, the our minimum viable product was um something that we looked at and we we're like, okay, we could be proud of this. Is this was like if somebody saw us like online or playing at the store with cars that looked like this, we would be okay. And so when well, we put it out on there, um, I think more people are also interested in anime than like um, they have been in the past. So once people saw it, they were like, you know, I really love how these cards look. They kind of fit the bill of an anime card game in the West. Uh, there yeah. are, there have been anime card games in the East, but not everybody loves the way that those games play compared to like, you know, what we're used to over here in the West with like magic the gathering. And, um, you know yeah. uh, flesh and blood and, like those types of games and stuff right so that's like i think what's also like had attributed to our our virality i think we met like a really we found a really nice niche in like the market um that we were kind of aware of and we weren't really aware of how much traction and how how interested that would make people at the time so
0: yeah yeah okay so so you you know one of the things you guys have a deep long-standing love for many many years of both anime and you know magic and games of that genre of tcgs and so you're able to bring that passion together right and i have to talk about creativity as just being the combining of two different things in a way that hasn't happened before so western style tcgs that are clean and easy to pick up with anime style visuals that are executed well and you guys brought that together you now now, so now it's, the puzzle pieces are starting to come together for me a little bit because you know you know you test some marketing and then you see this viral traction right because I, I always I caution people against trying to buy users it can be valuable right it can be and and you guys hit that secret mm-hmm. sauce but but when you you know spending some money to buy users who then bring in other people and and bring that virality that that is great trait and that's a great sign for success where i could see that as like okay yeah we're probably in a good place to run a to run a kickstarter at this point uh which i imagine your enthusiasm level jumped pretty dramatically once you saw those numbers uh
1: yeah i mean i was i, I mean like i said like um, you know as much as like you know we knew about the market and that we knew that you know there's probably a lot of people online that like would really like something like this uh we never expected it's like you know like you e- People get caught up with like you know thousands and like the like you know ten thousands and like the amount of usability. you never have like just like six hundred people trying to talk to you all at once, uh-huh. right? and that's like that. That at that moment we were like, I I think you know like this is way bigger than like what we could have like gotten, and you know like um, especially in, in our for our Kickstarter, right? I'll share this. Uh, whenever we were, um we obviously knew like how kind of Kickstarter works and based on like all the, the research that I did, it was like you kind of set a low goal and hope you go like really far over it. And that's great for like your page or alg- the algorithm, like whatever um, things that you are aware of that are like important to success. Right. So we were only, we were hoping at least like we, we set a goal for 50,000 to obviously hope to make more than that. Cause you need a lot of money to obviously make things to make something like this, to make a project, like you mentioned for Soulforge, like you made, you did about like $500,000, which is like, it, it wasn't, it almost wasn't enough. It almost put you guys like, uh, it, it, making the product itself and delivering on everything could have almost like put you out of business. So we knew like there was a lot of risk in like doing something like that, especially if you deliver on a goal without, you know, really meeting like what the actual goal that you needed. Um, you know, we, so we, I don't know, like, the people were crazy at that point like we didn't expect to go to i think we broke like a kickstarter record i think we went for for a trading card game we raised over five hundred thousand dollars i think like or no no it's like fifty thousand dollars like within the first like uh oh man i can't remember i'm sorry uh it was it was okay, some, your,
0: your your numbers are clearly impressive here you know we already yeah, it, was, uh, it was it was it was some yeah. crazy
1: number though you know it like these weren't things that we'd ever like expected. Like you can't expect things like this is like what I'm trying to get at. And so well, it was like,
0: well, and so this is the thing that's really interesting to me too, because it's, it's not actually that many backers, right? I mean, it's it's a decent right. number, fifteen hundred backers, right? So people gave a lot of money to the campaign, and and right. so now that we've we've talked about kind of now, I have a pretty good picture of like how you got your users and what the core principle was of the, the you know the core premise and and the pitch for the game and why why people came in so now i'd love to shift to like what do you think pushed people to go so deep into the game and and kind of contribute I can, I can do the math on top of my head but a very very high amount per per user uh bigger than almost anything i think i've seen uh in the space yeah. <clears throat> so
1: you know wouldn't make a tcg like it's a trading card game a lot of people collect these games and you know stuff like that right um i spent like a lot of time at lgs i even worked uh at one and so one of the things i noticed like i think what attributed to is like people probably spend more money than you think like on collectibles like the collectibles market there's an obvious boom and increase ever since like COVID happened oddly enough um you know people were seeing the prices like prices of like old things that uh like uh, I would say a great example is probably like pokemon cards and stuff right so like they're they have these old cards they need money um someone at some point in time probably told them it was worth something so when they try to go sell it um it was worth a lot of money like way more than they thought so more and more people realize that that attributes to like you know a lot of other people being like man I wish I got into that earlier and I think a lot of those feelings and those uh things kind of attributed to like how much like people were spending on uh our campaign. So I hope uh most of the people that were spending a lot, I think, probably felt like they'd rather invest into the game and the game looks fun, the project looks good. I'd rather invest into it now. If I lose this money and this campaign doesn't happen or like you know the Kickstarter doesn't go through, then at least I'm a lost out on this much instead of losing out on the potential game they could have gotten later. Yeah. The FOMO is real. (laughs) FOMO is real. Yeah. So like it's, I think a lot of those feelings attributed to like, you know, why Kickstarter TCGs are doing so well. A lot of people are worrying that they might miss out on the next big thing. And, um, you know, we can only, we, we consistently try to improve like our product, like, making the game better? How can we make this the best and make these people feel like they got their value back? And not only in a fun game, but in uh, how can we make this popular? And uh, one thing that we always commit, like, like we always think about is like, how can we make this game popular enough to not only give it some collectible value, you know, people buying and selling and singles on the market and opening product and while making a game that is also really fun, right? I mean, it's just yeah. like one of the things that we knew it was like, you know, there there had to be a business behind the fun game itself. So we knew that, you know, we made some, like... Things that we noticed from, like, old trends that we've noticed in, like, Magic the Gathering. Like, things that they moved away from. Things that we personally didn't really like was also, like, something that we kind of made, like, decisions on. So, like, um, oils, like, for example. Like, I think almost... All the current card games, you are guaranteed a foil in every pack that you opened. And then one of the things that uh, my friend and I personally loved was like when you got a foil back in the day. It was really exciting. It was it was really really cool, like you know, to get a foil in in, uh, in addition to your other cards. And if you got like the highest rarity foil, that was like the the jackpot. And then everyone got excited. Like in the LGS, I remember like. When people opened boxes, like, we would have, like, a great time just, like, seeing what everybody was able to get and, like, uh, what foils were pulled. If somebody pulled something crazy, everything was really, like, uh, like hype, I guess. And then we kind of wanted to bring that back. So, in the end, like, we made the game more collectible, which just also, like, I think why people invested more in the Kickstarter, too. So, you know. Yeah, They're
0: so also making their collectible investment. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm, I'm excited to dig into a few things there. One, just sort of the, uh, kind of underscore the counterintuitive thing for a lot of people about how well TCGs and collectibles have done during COVID, right? In a certain sense, you know, you can't get together and play with people or you couldn't for, for for a very long time and still can't in mm-hmm. many regions to play TCGs. So you'd think, well, wow, these are not going to be doing as well you know, organized play was shut down, everything. But uh, the exact opposite has happened, right? Magic has had its biggest year is it ever. It's grown like 35% something year over year. I think they reported nearly a billion dollars in revenue. That uh, includes mm-hmm. the digital version, but it's insane. Uh, the, uh, you know, things like, I think games like uh, Flesh and Blood would not, have nearly had the level of like insanity and initial burst of collectability and pricing and everything if not for this trend uh and seeing the you know pokemon cards and everything go up so so you guys i think did get to capitalize on that trend in a certain degree but i i want to dig into the the again the specifics of the choices that you made um because you mentioned, you know, have making foils more rare and harder to get. Uh, you have, I think, uh, a, a rarity reports that you're giving you, you, where you, you know, you give people the exact concrete number of how much, uh, of any given card exists and how many products are being printed, which I don't think anybody really does, or I've never heard of, uh, or certainly, uh, so what, uh, what, what drove you to, to pick, you know, for those other items or, or, or what other things do you think are, are other people should be thinking about when they're, if they're thinking about making their own TCG, you know, you have like, or artist sign cards and other cool things. Like what do you think is, is, uh, is, is good tips or what's worked well uh, in that space to really drive rarity and collection as the, as an excitement element, as a fun game in many ways in and of itself, uh, which is often not, you know, my, my default mode is always like, okay, I want the game to be fun. And yes, opening packs and discovering things is part of the fun, but, but you guys really seem to, to, to dial in on that in a way I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. I mean, like, so
1: the question is like, what, what can people learn? Like to, you know, when making like something more collectible, like how to like, you know, to make the, well, not like compromising anything like of their game right for uh, from right. what I was hearing. So one of the things that was important to us was like, you know, competitive play and like being like, obviously my favorite experience was like going to like, you know, uh, I don't think they call these anymore, like GPs, like back in the day and um, and for like Magic the Gathering. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't really want to lose to somebody who has like a card that is only available in one way. It was also really hard to attain, but it's also very powerful, right? So mm-hmm. the most important thing for, I think for anyone who's like trying to make their game more collectible is to not sacrifice your competitive integrity. And to, to don't sacrifice the game's integrity. Don't make it things hard to get because, and, and also very powerful. I think a lot of people kind of miss that fact. Like if you lock somebody out behind a giant paywall eventually people are going to really really be upset and not enjoy your game and also hate you and that's not good
0: in my opinion doesn't seem good people don't don't
1: like your game and hate you that does seem like a bad outcome but if if you're like if your goal is to make a fun game that um people want that people will continue to play if you're I see it is that if you are doing so, if somebody is doing something in that way, you are more interested in the dollar amount that you could get back. Like the amount of revenue that you can make back by creating something like that. And then if you realize that, my opinion is that other people will probably also realize the same thing that you realize. So, you know, it really depends on your message that you want. Like the, what we wanted to remind people of was just like, kind of like the good old days and the memories that we had of like growing up opening like these, um, like, you know, you know, I I just thought it'd be really cool. We thought it'd be really cool if like we had signed cards. We also thought like, oh, why not know what number card that you have? Like um, you have the first copy like ever printed, you know, like see because we have serialized cards, right? So one of the decisions of making that was just like, it doesn't sacrifice the game's, you know, integrity. And it also is something that we would have wanted and something that, uh, was cool and doesn't sacrifice, uh, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't make the game unfun, right? All so right, that's, so that's you of, say
0: you're serialized, you're just talking about your, your super rare cards being serialized here. Not all of them, right? Or does, does every card have a, this is the 10,000 yeah. version of this. We're talking about cool. like the, the big ticket like item. So like our
1: collector rare, where it has the artist, um, unique, uh, signed card also with like yeah. the, uh, serialized number on there right and got it it was just something that we felt like maybe the market was missing like uh, we didn't really know like you know why people weren't doing it like why magic wasn't doing it why flesh and blood didn't
0: do it and so we were just like why not we would like it why not why don't we do it you know yeah no it's funny that you mentioned that because this is another thing we encountered with soulforge fusion um because we're actually, you know, we're digitally printing every single deck as a unique, one-of-a-kind thing uh, with the way we're printing mm-hmm. it. And so we actually took, ex- we did exactly this thing, but every single deck that you ever receive is numbered. So the, all of them tell you like which version of this it is, which deck number it was that was printed. And so there's like this thing was impossible to do with traditional printing, which we were pretty excited about uh, to be able to do. So you can actually know which deck in the print run, which cards you have uh, compared to everybody else. So it's a really cool feature, which again, we all had the same reaction you did. It's it's like neat to know. It doesn't impact gameplay. It doesn't, but it's like kind of cool to know, Hey, I got the first version of this ever made, or I got the you know first version of this particular card that was ever printed. Uh, or whatever, the yeah. so that's very cool.
1: Yeah, it's, it was just like one of the things that you know. Over time, I, I continue to notice, like um, you know, for me it was important. My my, I, I attribute a lot of like the decision that we make to my time at an LGS. Like I, you know, you you don't you maybe not notice it, but the the shop clerk probably watches what you do more than um, you know more than you think. You we're not just checking you out. We're like we noticed. I, I noticed a lot of things going in and out of the store, what people were buying. When I asked people how they felt about a product, like, you know, you you make mental notes like over time, like you you hear the a lot of common answers, you hear a lot of things that people wish they had. And it says that if we I think we paid enough attention to those things where we were like, hey, I think, you know, like I said, like I think like the collectors things, like a lot of other people kind of the like a serialized number, a lot of people other were like, oh yeah, that's really cool. I wish we had those things, you know, I wish we knew how many of these cards in print and then what would make it easier to sell, right? Like working uh, at an LGS doing the pricing. Um, Like, you know, when my coworkers are doing pricing. It's just like, it's nice to know how much of these actually exist and how much demand, like how many people are actually buying it. Like, uh, say for, like if it wasn't important, I don't think TCG player would probably tell you how much things are sold, uh, for, and like, you can check like, this land, there's like a market price history, you know, the, these things that we probably didn't have like a long time ago, like people now know like you know, there, there's like price histories and everything, conditions sold, uh, you can see like what's really in demand and what people are wanting um, uh, speaking of like anime stuff right, like uh, before I mentioned like our game was focused on anime, we'd also noticed like, the really big moment that we noticed that like, we could really enter the market was like Magic the Gathering kind of dipped their toes in that with um, sets like, um, was it? They, um, I'm Strixhaven. The, the Japanese set sold like hotcakes. They like a lot of people bought into those cars. So they love that art and they love like that Japanese like flavor. And, you know, that's also like why, like, how, why we felt we could enter the market at that time. We just were always kind of like consistently, watching these things and like gave our idea like more validation over time as well so i might have been i might be rambling at this point but yeah
0: no 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 Uh, it's great i mean i think that the you know also just learning more about your background like great but working at 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 a game store and paying attention to the people that are around you and even for people out there that are you know, whether you're working at a game store or you just spend time there, really focusing on what is it that people are excited about? What is it that people say consistently? What's it's like, oh, if only I love this game, but, or man, wouldn't it be cool if, right? And keeping your eyes open mm-hmm. and noting those things and ideally writing them down. And, you know, that, so that over time when you're like, oh, hey, now I could combine this idea with this idea. And, you know, anime did really well. And and is and anime, people are, are fanatical collectors, just like TCG players are fan- fanatical collectors. And so what could we do to make this more Collectible and make the collectability fun again, right? That the the process of opening packs and discovering things and hoping that you get the amazing, cool card being really exciting and fun um, is is a is an important. Other, it's a whole other game you're designing in a lot of ways, right? In addition to the fun play of I actually have my deck and I'm playing my deck or I'm building my deck, the the discovery and exploration is is one of the main reasons that people play trading card games and it's the thing that differentiates it from you know just a traditional fixed box kind of tabletop game yeah yeah i
1: mean it was i don't know like you know the trading aspect is like one of the things that i loved because you also interact with, like other people so i remember like nowadays it's like a lot of what i notice when i do like any sort of trade with anybody it's like foils are so overdone in a lot of games where they're like they're uh nowadays especially with like collectors like products there's like a lot of uh, like so they never I go back to Magic the Gathering because we we don't learn the lessons, you know, from them. They're like, they've been around for a very long time, right? So I realized a lot of my like personal friends had didn't really like the um, like the, some of the collectors' products, where it's like everything was foil, really shiny, and it was really cool, but you know, it didn't really feel great when you felt like you had a rare card, and once you kind of looked it up on the internet, that your foil isn't really worth much anymore. It's just a shiny piece of cardboard that probably a lot of other people have. And I think that kind of ruins like the, the fun of it. Like, uh, like, like I spoke before, like on uh, our experience, my, my, my initial experiences with like opening, like, you know, seeing people open like a foil and being really excited because it was, it was rare. And the, once you do away with that, then like the kind of, a lot of the fun
0: kind of like disappeared. So, I, I think that it's it's just yeah, it's a lot of a lot of great insights that you know the scarcity itself can be provide the value right a thing that seems cool at first if you get too much of it it's not 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 as cool and so you know a lot of people you know it, it, and, and it's important to highlight that shift of like the scarcity for gameplay power is a big turn off for a lot of players myself certainly included and uh but scarcity for you know, shiny show things off and cool new thing that you don't get to experience a lot or hopeful dream that you can find these cool one-of-a-kind experiences uh is is a great thing and is a net net positive for for players and and collectors alike um it also means your game is more likely to attract more types of people and thus survive and and extend further um Mm -hmm. so so maybe we'll just shift then to talking about what's next for you guys and what are you, what are you, you know, you're in the middle of, of executing this process. Um, you're staying engaged with your community. There's still just a team of five of you. Is that, is that still correct? Right. Yeah. The team of five right now, while we may seem like small, but it's just, like
1: I said, you know, promising to like, dealing with like another employee is also to us something like, being able to support their lives, like as a, as a business, you know, we would love to, we, we couldn't really ask anybody like to quit their jobs and come do this with us. Like it's a trying to keep like, you know, like I said, like risk at, at a very minimum. Like, we don't want to hurt the people that we care about or anybody that would have come to like work for us. Right. Um, cause it's risky. Startups are just risky in itself. And our sort of next big goals obviously is to one, finished production of the product to, to focus down on like um, organized play while uh, working on, you know, the next couple of sets. So we have ideas for those already, but you know, our biggest thing was uh, that people cared about a lot was organized play, and and that we really cared about, you know, having some sort of like competitive aspect to it. So we're trying to find like the best solution to that. Uh, You know, we contacted a bunch of local game stores across like the U S um to kind of get them interested show them that we care about their store and that they we're, we're going to um you know have a decent like tournament software how are they going to be able to get players rewards uh, you know you know what what are players going to be playing for what what's where's the competitive aspect what's happening um and then after that yeah continue just to pump out a solid um solid sets not a lot of sets but you know a solid um you know come up with like continue to make like unique uh ideas you know yeah maybe I that's, a a that's, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a little too broad yeah yeah so it's not a it guy i got a little too broad there maybe but um for our immediate you know plans Oh, i speaking of like probably like the next like six months or so that's what we're looking at yeah. to uh
0: yeah Yeah, no, it's great. I'm 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 really eager to see the the progress and see how it all plays out. And of course, um, you know, it's it's just it's been great to see you get here. And I, I appreciate you know how you look at this, right? A lot you know, being very, you know, you know, hopeful and work hard, but be, you know, cautious and especially managing overhead. I know what that is like and when, you know, there's nothing worse than having to lay people off. And I, you know, I've had to go through that. And it's really just one of the worst experiences I've ever, I've ever gone through. And I'm very, very conscious of making sure that we keep our overhead as low as possible to be able to deliver on what we need to deliver. And only when we're really, you know, confident and absolutely need more staff that we, uh, we staff up because it's, you know, you, you, those responsibilities are serious. So you're, you're taking, you know, people's, I, I don't, I don't really stress anymore about my own Life and ability to support myself, but I very much stress about everybody on my team and making sure that they, you know, can feed their families and that they have, you know, some s- job security. And so every time mm-hmm. I add someone new, it's like an extra giant weight I put on my back and <laughs> then I got to carry around. Uh, and so Good. it's great, and I'd love to have it, but it, but it's you're, you've you've had that insight early uh, earlier than I did. Uh, so I, I, I apologize for that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just I think. um
1: I think sometimes people forget that, you know, when you pay somebody to do a job or when you do anything or you, you when you work with somebody else, you're not working with just like especially being on the internet, you're not you're not working with you, you can't you can't forget that you're working with another person and that um games like, you know, t- trading card games while, you know, they're being collected and played. Remember that they're always being played by people. People build like without the people, nobody will you, you can never succeed. Right. So I think it's just important to never forget those things. And that's sort of philosophy for like the whole team has kind of carried that no matter what, at the end of the day, um we you need to you need to take care of yourself. You need to remember that your doing like you're, you're being a proper human being. So it's just like, don't forget those things. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to be human. That's a, that's a great place uh, to leave it. I think it's a, it's, it's, it's just one of the things that I know, you know, again, it's just from my lots of experience in the industry, right. It's, it's, it's all about how you treat people. And that's true for your coworkers. That's true for your employers, employees, and it's true for your communities. Right? You're gonna make mistakes. There's gonna be challenges. And if you're good with people and communicative, and take other people's interests, and really care about others, and and try to serve others, then uh, in the long run, you're gonna be successful. Uh, regardless of you, you can't predict exactly how and where and what that road's gonna be. But I found that to be very, very true for everybody that I know. And so, uh, it, you clearly have that ethos. And so I'm uh, I'm rooting for you, man. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And so, uh, if my audience here or anybody listening uh, wants to come join you for the ride, my guess is uh, join the Discord is the piece of advice. But uh, why don't you tell them where they can find you and what they should do if they want to join the uh, the Grand Archive community? Yeah. Um, you know, please check out our website, grandarchivetcg.com. Super simple.
1: We have um, a button that says join our Discord server. Uh, feel free to join. You can ping me at me i don't really have any rules against that on there just uh, if i don't get back to your message i'm sorry but i love to talk to anybody who's interested in the game and tell them like you know our philosophies our ideals, like anything like just like the conversation i'm having with Justin here it's um you know i, I like to never forget like where we come from so join us on uh head discord you can also check out our facebook um instagram uh twitter we post uh art updates regularly and uh we always share, we try to keep the updates super consistent and share what we are working on and showing people that, um, you know, where we are at in development. So uh, just recently on Kickstarter, actually, if you, uh, we had a, another a bigger update last week and showing more of like our card samples, uh, we're working on a card database as well. So you get a sneak peek at that. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, this was a great conversation, Alan. I'm really uh, just I've I I learned uh, you know a lot about the kind of modernization of the process here, and 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 the the still the same universal principles that are underlying all this stuff. So it's it's also helped me uh, because it's uh, the more I was able to dig into your story, the more of these principles that people can apply, I found. So it, it was a real pleasure. And I'm looking forward to doing a follow-up uh, and really seeing once you get this thing out the door, uh, all the extra lessons that you're going to learn along the way. So uh hopefully yeah. I'll have you back again soon. Yeah, I hope to be
1: back soon. Yeah, I hope to, you know, once I learn more things, hope to be able to share it and hopefully other people are going to see some success too. So best of luck to everybody. All right,
0: I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to support the podcast, please rate, comment, and share on your favorite podcast platforms, such as iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever device you're listening on. Listener reviews and shares make a huge difference and help us grow this community and it'll allow me to bring more amazing guests and insights to you. I've taken the insights from these interviews along with my 20 years of experience in the game industry and compressed it all into a book with the same title as this podcast, Think Like a Game Designer.